Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to the Scott and Jai Show on Radio X. Giddy up. Where we are all about lending an ear. Trying to move Tell on, Tell me mate. how you really feel. I love you, mate. I love you. No matter which way you go. Look. Sharing stories. But no, I have ended up in the emergency room after with a broken... And helping each other out. Called you, big father. Yeah, call- said we need to go look around the town. Called for reinforcement. Yeah. That's the way. My new boss will probably be listening and going, thanks, Jai. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m., Live on air. Catch the highlights 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. weeknights. The podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join the conversation. We are all about mates helping mates. So whether you're battling the black dog or just need a friendly chat, this is the place to be. The phone number is 074-994-3165. Or connect with us on social media at The Scott and Jai Show. We want to hear your story because, remember, it's not weak to speak. I just want to let everyone know that it's not weak to speak. I just want to let everyone know that it ain't weak to speak. So come on, join us for some good yarns. Quick side note, I love the dirty mo. Oh, I love it too. What does mum say? There's no dry here, mate. Hang it out. Laughs. Oh, but it was. It's quiet at home. And maybe even a few tears. Let's tackle life together, one story at a time. Because together, we can make a difference. This is the Scott and Jai Show, where everyone's story matters. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Tequila shots all around. Tequila, tequila shots? Tequila makes my clothes come off. Oh, look, mate, it happens to the best of us when we meet people we love. I have never seen a grown man turn to water. Uh, we've all been there once or twice. <laughs> Some more than others. Every Sunday. Yeah, every Sunday. This. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's slowly getting bigger. I just want to let everyone know that it's not weak to speak. I just want to let everyone know that it ain't weak to speak. Welcome to Scott and Jason. Morning. Morning, mate. How are we? Not too bad for uh, Sunday, Sunday the 8th of October. How's your week been? It's been busy, actually, this week. Yeah. I um, have done a few back-to-backs. Good um, work? Yeah. It's just been a full-on week. I yeah. even worked that much that I missed my um, Friday gym slash. But it happens. See, I like how you go to the gym. Is that, is that kind of like your way to process the week? Yeah, I, look, the gym for me is the one place I converse myself. Like, there's no one else I need to compete with or mm. compare with. It's yep. me versus me. Um, and it just, I get a clear head training. Um, I'm very fortunate I have a PT and um, he sends me programs that I follow. Um, even though I know majority of training, um, but I'm trying to cut weight at the moment and I need to start up on my cardio a bit, um, just to get the dad bod back, you know? Yep. 
um, but like I did, went to the gym this morning um, and did a quick shoulders and arm sesh. Get them big buys pumping. G'day. The stranglers, I call them. Des and Troy. <laughs> <laughs> we are also live on Facebook this morning. Um, thanks to our live show last Monday. Thanks for everyone that uh, that got involved. Uh, we've decided the first part of the podcast will be live on Facebook moving forward. So currently we have uh, one listener. I'm not even sure who it is. Comment if you're listening. We'd yeah, love you well, get, at least we'd love we can you to say get good morning to you and see how your week's been. How's your week been, mate? Uh, busy trucking. Where have I been this week? I feel like last week was a bit of a blur for me. Um, Brizzy went to Brisbane. Yep. Made a um, monumental stuff up at work, actually. It's good. Uh, I like it. Yeah, read read the information wrong, so I thought it was you know Brisbane to Rockhampton, but it was actually the other way. So uh, I got in the truck, dr- drove my load down to Brisbane, and then was then put my truck on the back of the bigger truck. Yeah, and uh, slept the whole way home. Yeah, didn't you travel to Gladstone? Yeah, I got dropped off in Gladstone and did my deliveries in Gladstone. But this afternoon, actually, right after um, we do all the editing of the podcast, I'm off to Charters Towers. Yeah, right. Never been there before? It's a country town, old Charters Towers. Got a good ro- rodeo there. Yeah. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere. It is. A beautiful town, though. Um, very nice folk. Uh, and you'd be lucky too this morning. Still, for some reason, can't get your camera working. Yeah, well, look, I forgot to do my makeup, so I'm glad that I'm not on film. So, anyone that tunes into the live, you get to see me. You get to hear Jai, but you'll uh, you'll see my face. Um, some people might enjoy that. Some people may not. Just adjusting myself. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Can I just? I should, oh, now we have two people listening in. Please comment on Facebook. We um, we want to get everyone involved in the show because it is the Mates Helping Mates podcast. Um, if you if you just want to have a chat with Jai, myself, or whoever, they didn't turn the light on this morning. Why not? Um, please get involved. We want to hear uh, f- from everybody. Alright, let's get into our first segment this morning. This is Scott and Jai's Sporting Wrap-Up. It's a bit weird with no um, no NRL on there. Yeah, season's finished. Paul Broncos are resting up. Hmm. It's their year next year, I say it now. They're going to win the grand final next year. Lucky we have this on record, right? Yep. We'll play it back. Um... But the Kangaroos, the Kangaroos play next weekend. Yeah, they do. It's the internationals starting next weekend. Got a solid side too. Cleary's out. Zerz him right. <laughs> too cocky if you ask me. <laughs> um, apparently his knee's hurting, I think I read. So does this start all over again? It could because I go for the Kiwis and you go for the Kangaroos. We have to... Yeah, look, I, I stand by my country. Yep. Um, but yeah, look, they've got a really solid side, so maybe they've got a chance. Speaking of um, in with a chance, uh, the Wallabies. Mm. Uh, the Wallabies may have a 
it, look, it could have been my rant from last weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Could have been. Uh, but the Wallabies have got a chance to go through the Rugby World Cup. Very slim. Fiji just has to lose to Portugal. Portugal? D- d- look, I came unprepared. Brazil? No, I'm pretty sure it's Portugal. I can quickly look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's Portugal. So the Fiji have to lose to Portugal and not get the bonus point for Australia to go through to the next round of the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, right. Your thoughts? Hey, look, um, I'm not a union fan myself, so I really don't have much to say on that. I don't see the point in um, men wrestling together on a football field. But What do you think they do in NRL? It's totally different. <laughs> it's all about breaking bones and snapping ankles. Scott and Jai, what's on your mind this week? Just thought I'd move on really quickly. What's on your mind this week, big fella? <sighs> Look, back to the car thing. This morning, actually. Oh, no. We're going there. Hang on. Before you start, let me find some... Um, Music here. Right, yep. I had um, just left the gym. And now, I don't know, anybody that's listening, Rocky will know where this is. I train at World Gym. Um, and I live, I have to go over the bridge to head home. And as I'm turning out, the green light comes on. And there was a red light um, just to go straight. And, um, I just seen the green light, so I hook it, and this ute just come flying past and almost took me out. If I wasn't in the missus' car, I would have chased him down, because like, almost like, it would have been a couple of inches off of taking out the front of the car. And you're in your missus' car? Yeah, oh yeah, I would have never heard the end of it. You would have been a flat pancake. Oh, yeah. Especially so- when I got to pick her up from work. Today, so yeah, look, it would have been a bad start to the morning, but I was responsible. I let it go. I did my ulcer and um, rubbed my ears to calm down, and I um, just came home. But another thing that's bugging me at the moment, um, not personally me like I don't really worry about people talking about me I'm very comfortable with um, who I am and what I've achieved and overcome but lately I've been hearing a lot um, of people running other people down um, and not like I'm all for if you've got an opinion say it to the person mm. and then move on like you know both of you say your piece move on but don't go behind someone's back and run them down when one they're not there to defend themselves. And to be honest, is your life that fucking perfect that you can have an opinion? Excuse my French big fella. But no, it's just it's something that really grinds my gears because me personally, I'm all for letting people be themselves and, you know, pushing them to reach their potential and giving them positive comments. Yep. I one out of the gym. There's a bloke there that's a, he's a fairly big boy, but 
I've been seen him a few times and he always says g'day and um, I always let him know that he's doing a good job because I've been in a similar position um, which I'll go into later when I share my story and my background um, but yeah like no one is better than anybody else in this world right whether you're a, a billionaire a millionaire or you're a poor bloke Homeless on the street. Oh, homeless on the street. It, you have no right to judge someone's situation without knowing their situation. Absolutely. Or knowing their story. Um, no one's perfect. You know, like... When I used to work out west, I always used to, like, meet a lot of people that lived on properties and grew up on the land and you have a flat tire or something that'd be the you'd have 20 cars pull up and ask if you're alright you had a flat tire on the side of the highway here in Rockhampton you'd be lucky to get one person to stop and see if you're okay um you know I'm all for you've been there when I've done it um seen a homeless bloke a few years back now at where you used to work at the truck stop and um I brought him a hot hot coffee and a hot meal. It was raining that day and it was cold and it was just sitting in between the two freezers trying to keep warm with the engines. And, um, yeah, like, to me, I had that money. So, you know, I was just like, it's better off giving them the money and buying them food or and a hot drink and me miss out on buying a packet of smokes yeah. or, you know what I mean like no one I can't say it enough no one's better than anybody else if you don't understand someone's situation don't comment That's or if it. you want to comment keep to your fucking self <laughs> I haven't got my uh, finger hovering around the mute button at the moment yeah <laughs> but it's yeah it's something I see and I don't believe in people running people down um I'm very honest. If I've got something wrong or you've annoyed me, I'm quite open to tell you. Oh yeah. Um, you know that. I'm. Um, I've learnt to stand up for myself, and but some people don't have that confidence or the ability. And I think in that case, if I, I can't stand not telling people how I feel. So if you, you get under my skin. Or you're annoying me. I'm going to tell you. Doesn't mean I think any less of you. Yep. It just means you're annoying me. Or I don't like what you're saying about someone. Because I'm not about that life. Like, Just be straight up and honest. Yeah, well... What happened to the days where people used to just tell people? For the sake of it. That's it. Why are we live, now living in a selfish... Um, mindset. I, okay, I get it. You got to grind to get ahead, but and you got to be somewhat selfish. But it doesn't stop you being a normal human being and being genuine. Like I'm very like one of these people. For example, right, one of my mates. Um, weird situation, but they had like a said something to my missus and I didn't really agree with it so I I asked what was going on um, and I said it to you yep 
<coughs> with that whole situation, I have so much love for this person and will always be there. But I, at the same point, all my mates in my close circle conduct themselves in a similar manner to the way I do. Um, and if they don't, and they're rude to people, well, then I've got to think about whether they're right people to be in my life. Have people around you, yeah. Well, well, that's it, you know. there's I forget what the saying is, but the people you hang around with is the people that, like, you're going to end up becoming that person. Mm. I, I think it's like if you surround yourself with people that party every weekend and talk sh- shit about people and all that, you're eventually going to form into that. If you hang around with like-minded people that want to achieve the ultimate goal for themselves, like for me, when I go to the gym, I train with people that are big on the gym and love achieving that. And then I also have friends like you that, you know, uh, into politics where I'm not and I support you and what you want to get into. But, like, we have a lot of mutual things, like working on the car and doing all that just, you know, because that's what we do. Putting a podcast together. Putting a podcast together um, to achieve the same goal. So I think if anybody's listening or hears this, maybe take 10 minutes out of your day and um, just thank someone for being by your side and not judging you and just being your mate. Mm. Because that's what mates are about. Mates helping mates. Well, that's it. I think it's important. Who are you to judge someone's situation? Like, come to me. If anybody can judge someone's situation, the first question I ask them, are you a multi-millionaire? Do you own your house outright? Do you own your car outright? And if you can't answer these things, you're not perfect. Are you happy within your life? You know? Keep going. What are you going to say, mate? Sorry, I cut you off there. I didn't mean to cut you. How rude. I don't know. We'll have a chat about this off air. You want to read the... uh, You can read the screen in the corner there, big fella. Ten minutes. (laughs) Ten minutes. Stretch up. Of course, Nick jumps on and has a comment. Good morning, mate. How are you? Top fan. No, fangirling is what he said on... Uh, he actually is, because that's what playing. that black hand means. It's like a hand. It means they're like... It's a hand or a star on Facebook. And it there means they're actually one of the top listeners and followers. Yeah. I think Nick's almost like nearly every podcast, so... We have to get Nick on the podcast. We do. Share his story yes. and some of his struggles. What do you reckon, Nick? Um... And, and look, um, that's someone that works works his butt off. Um, you know, has a trade and um, Jesus Christ. Is it? You are the OG, my friend. Um, he does. He works his butt off, and but he's a genuine person. You know, up for a laugh, and that's what it's all about. I don't know, mate. I don't know how you feel about all that, but for me, I like my rest of my time on this earth is just being nice and helping others where I can. Oh, for that, well, for those who heard my story last week, um, 
you know, I took, I guess, how do I explain it to you guys? I guess I took a bit of a rain check and a bit of a stock take in my life and you work out, you know, who's there and who's not real, real quick mm. um, and who's who's got your back 100% and who doesn't. Um, but it's those big, those big things that happen in your life is where you sit down and you do. You do a, a stock take of your life mm. and you work out real quick who... Who comes and who goes? You know yeah, I mean? and who's fake and who's not? Because I'll be honest, um, yeah, most people go through this stage where they have friends that are there for the good times. Mm. But when you hit rock bottom, how many of them mates have been be there? Well, I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of mates, and it's only been in the last decade, last ten years. Um, that I formed a group of mates that I talk to at least weekly. Yeah. Um, and if I don't, like I try try and catch up with at least my mates at least every fortnight. Um, because life does get in the way. I just check in, see how they're going. Yeah. Well, that's it. Um. But yeah, I think for me. I don't judge someone's situation, nor is a big thing that I've learnt is living in the past because of something you've been through doesn't mean people coming into your life in the future are going to be like the people in your past. And if you live in the past, you're never going to be in the future. You're never going to be able to move forward. Well, you're always going to be five steps behind. Mm. So for me, I like achieve what I can achieve. And something that I'm learning at the moment is stress about the things that I can control and not stress about the things that I actually have no control over. It's not in your control, yeah. Yeah. I think I've said this before on the podcast, and I know I said it to you uh, this week. You know, life's like a piece of steak. All right, you got to chop it all up, deal with it in bits. I love myself a piece of juicy steak. Try, trying to eat it all at once. Grab it off the rump. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's a, I'm, I'm very passionate about helping people and, um, listening to people's stories and no one's, I guess when you, if you're going to be there for someone and someone's venting to you or telling you their story, um, something that I've had to learn, nobody's story's worse, worse than yours or better than yours. Yeah. Like, because everybody's struggles are harder for them. Um, so I guess when you're, you're in that mind or someone's talking to you about what they're going through, have an open mind and understand that even knowing your head, that struggle seems like really small, but that person's struggle to them could be the hardest thing they're facing. Mm. Um, and it, just be understanding. When you're in that mindset, do you think that the whole <coughs> world's going to fall apart? You know, yeah. The yep. best thing you can do is reach out and talk about it. Well, that's it. Um, nobody's alone in the world. There are groups and counsellors and stuff uh, that give you resources to overcome these struggles. And I think 
the hardest thing is taking that first step and talking to someone. Um, I know myself, I've been to multiple counsellors over the years. Excuse me, my English is a bit off this morning. Has been for the last two days. It's Sunday, we'll give it to you. Yeah, so I I don't know. I'm not going to ramble on about it, but it's something that I think that gets me down, even though it has something, nothing to do with me, sorry, um, is when people run other people down. Especially when you're at work where you've got to, you can't really approach a situation the way you would on the outside of just your everyday life. Mm. Um, And, you know, just everybody, like, take ten minutes out today and thank someone for being by your side and pushing you to your potential, whether it's your partner or your best mate or both. Like, sometimes... Just giving someone a thanks, like, I really appreciate you, could really lighten up someone's day that's just feeling like, you know, people don't notice them. Thanks, mate. No, you're right, mate. <clears throat> Jesus, don't cry. Oh, no. Couldn't get the words out. Getting emotional. Thanks, mate. No, For always being right. there. No, thank you. For always being by my side. You're listening to The Scott and Jai Show, Mates Helping Mates podcast. <laughs> Jai's uh, added his own sound effects in the back there. You know, um, you know something that's annoying me this week? What's that, mate? Tell me. Let it out. Well, you know how you were talking about politics before? Oh, here we go. Yep. <laughs> Strap yourselves in. So, we don't make this show political in any way, shape or form. Try not to. We try not to. Um, you know, we don't have a opinion on political matters, like the upcoming referendum. Oh, the yes vote? We're, we are definitely not talking about that okay. in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So, the, ca- the camera's now on you. So people can't see my reaction, but they can see your reaction. I can't vote in the uh, upcoming referendum. That's right, because you're for a the New record. Zealand citizen. That's right. But there is something that's that's bothering me, and it affects everybody. Mm, yeah. Tell me. Petrol prices. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Petrol prices. Petrol prices. It's like a hundred and forty dollars for my car up. I couldn't tell you how much it cost to put fuel in my car because I sat in the driveway. But I know how much the truck, the, yeah, the, pro, oh. the, the diesel price of diesel has gone through the roof. So how do we fix this? I'm going to say it now, live to everybody, and it's stuck there, and it's going to be on recording. Ah. I am not a labour lover in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. But labour could be doing something about this, right? And again, um. This goes towards, and what I'm about to say is, I'm not trying to tear the government down or give my views on what I think, but I want to just want to talk about something that is affecting everybody because I know that with high petrol prices, drives the price of groceries up. It drives inflation up, if anyone cares about inflation. 
it drives all these little things up and there are people out there that are struggling in this cost of living crisis they really are yeah they, they're saying that middle to yeah, middle income earners are asking for help for the first time in their life financial help going to food banks going to the bank even to help with um you know payment payment arrangements to pay mortgages things like that mm. now can you imagine all the like how many people out there would be struggling i'd love to hear from from people that are in that position where they've actually had to go on go to a food bank for the first time and that's a struggle in itself and i'll say it now don't be ashamed if you have to ask for help um in these times because it is hard um like i get that there's certain people that voted for labor and wanted labor to be all they can be but well labor promised cost of living down cost of living down 275 dollars off your power off your power they promised all this stuff and everything's going up yeah and which obviously we haven't seen it no that's right and nothing is you know they are good old elbow i feel like i'm gonna cross a line here but hey, you're on, mate. Let it out. Let it out. They are focused on the voice referendum, oh, right? Yeah. And but, have forgotten about the bigger picture. Well, personally, the about the referendum, I am not voting yes. Um, and if you want to reach out to the page and ask why, like, I can tell you why now. Like, it's... To me... I was going to say, let's... Let's not get into the voice thing now. No, like, <laughs> but to me, we've already going through a divided country when it comes to culture. Yes, there needs to be changes when it comes to culture and still needs to be worked on constantly. To me, I think every school in Queensland and all over Australia should learn about Indigenous culture and it be embraced. And 100%. No matter what your colour or... Um, region of culture is I think that you live in Australia you learn about the First Nation culture Um, and be proud about it because it is an amazing culture but I I think for me with what I've read and um, looked at people voting yes is going to end up being more of a divided Situation if it went through, and we don't need to be divided. We need. We're one. Well, exactly. Like the Australian national anthem, we are one. We should be all as one as a country, regardless of what our skin colour or culture or region is. So that that's personally my opinion. And look, if anybody wants to have a dick, go hard. But look, I don't. When I look at people, I don't look. Oh. Man, he's purple. I can't talk to him. Or he's yellow. Or he's black. Or he's white. Everybody bleeds. Everybody has a heart. When you cut my arm open, I bleed red too. Well, exactly. And, you know, some people need to change. And. Yeah, so for me, um, look, I'm, I'm voting no. Um. I've got mates that are Indigenous, Torres Strait Islanders, and every single one of them are beautiful people. Um, 
and I love hearing about people's culture. I have think you, it's amazing. Can I ask, have you shared your thoughts with them around that to see what they get? Because, you know, like... Actually, I had a debate in the, the gym, of all places. Well, you look at the news this week, right? Some... I'm not even going to... I'm not even going to mention it, actually, that what happened to start with, but, you know, poor... Um, Jacinta Price, you know the per- the big per- the person that's involved in the No campaign. Yeah, she's getting vo- like hatred voicemails sent to her. Um, Lydia Thorpe, I'm not a Lydia Thorpe fan at all. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I know yep. who Lydia Thorpe. Is. Um, she had a video sent she to her. She related to um, Ian Thorpe. <laughs> Sorry, totally off subject. I just thought of that. <laughs> You know what? I never thought of that either. I don't know. Uh, we can Google it. But th- that's why I thought I would ask if, if you had shared your thoughts with um, some of your other, like, other friends, see what their thoughts are. Because I can tell you now, I'm too scared. I'm not even sharing what my opinion is here, whether it's yes or no, because I don't want the, the, the pushback. But nah, look, at the end of the day, anybody want to come forward and say that I don't know what I'm talking about, go hard. Um, I, I've looked into it a lot um, because I do have friends from Indigenous backgrounds and Torres Strait background. And like I said before, I'm not standing here and saying that um, they shouldn't have a, a voice. I just don't think this is the answer to achieve what they need to achieve. It should be done a better way, and it shouldn't be done by the government. 100%. Because, here, I'll tell you a fact, and please tell me if I'm wrong, I did did read this, um, that someone made an Indigenous elder um, somewhere in Australia made a statement about it, that there is so many um, different tribes... Um, that there shouldn't be one leader for all these different tribes because Indigenous have different rules for different tribes. Okay. Um, and, and again, please tell me if I said that wrong, but that was something that I was reading the other night when I was going to sleep. Please comment in the comments if uh, we're getting any of this Because right. I know there is, like, yeah. well, we're on Drumble land at the moment, um, which is... The tribe of Rockhampton. Yes. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's Blackwater's different again. I would have to do some research, research um, in what tribes we have around the CQ area. Wouldn't be too too hard to find. But yeah, you know, like it's like anywhere. We didn't choose. We didn't choose for our ancestors to come here. So my biggest thing that I hate is okay yeah our ancestors upon ancestors um invaded this land but to me I'm passionate about Australia I love Australia um and I think everyone should be equal but you know and I'll say it again I think indigenous culture should be taught in every Australian school it should be something that you learn from an young age and there should be activities around like their background and their cultures regardless like because they are our first nation people well done thank you mate
Back to cost of living. That's where, that's where we were going with all yeah, that. Yeah, sorry, sorry, totally got off. Sorry. Um, but but again, the government is so wrapped up in the voice, and as as you all just heard, it, it that is the focus, or well, that is the direction of conversation at the moment. Because they want control. I need to hover around this button. <laughs> um, but the cost of living, you know, the easiest way to reduce cost of living is to reduce the petrol prices. Now, I believe that there was there is a surplus in the budget. Anyone pays attention to that sort of stuff. The government has the money in its pocket to do something about it. All they have to do is reduce the excise tax. You know how they put the excise tax on, on darts and mm. alcohol and all that sort of stuff, right? I'm not saying reduce the excise on darts and, uh, <laughs> and, and alcohol, but what I am saying is to... Bring, I guess, you know, bring some peace out there to people. People that, that are out there struggling, those middle class people that are going to food banks, that are going to their financial institutions. Living out of their cars. Living out of their cars. All the government has to do, and they can do it tomorrow, flick the switch and go, we're taking 25 cents a litre off for the next 6, 12 months. Yep. That's all they have to do, just to give some cost of, um, cost of living relief. It's going to set off a chain reaction. Once you bring the fuel prices down, right? How, how do you guys? How does everybody think that food gets to the supermarket by truck, right? It's going to bring all the trucking companies will be able to bring food to the supermarkets. Um, it just has an overall effect. Effect, yeah. Um, and I seriously think that's what the government needs to do. Yep. Tomorrow. Look, we both know that's not going to happen. No. Um, look, to me, the government's greedy, and if I had it my way and I was a man of power, I would kick everybody in that house out. And start, and start again. Fresh, yeah, 100%. Do you want to um, start a political party, the Scott and Jai party? Oh, no, big fella. No? No. That's, I'm, I get stressed out enough. I don't need that <laughs> on the top of my plate. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that's our two cents for uh, for Sunday. Uh, Nick, Nick's commented here. The only real decision everyone needs to make is: does the sauce stay in the cupboard or in the fridge? In the fridge, mate. Yeah, in the fridge. I'm telling you. In the fridge, people that keep sauce in the cupboards, weird. I, I tell you what. While we are sitting here right now, I'm going to put a poll up there, and those listening can fill out the poll. Just for you, mate. See, Nick, we do love it. And Nick, when we release our merch um, early next year, we've got uh, trucker caps coming out. We'll get you one. Yeah, we'll do an OG trucker cap. So we'll go through, like, our likes and stuff and who's liked the most, and we'll give out, say, three hats. So um, get on board. Look, next year I'd love to organise some raffles. Um... And the other side hustle we're looking at doing is we're doing another side ride hustler. for men. Side hustle. Hustle, yep. Um, is we're looking at doing another ride for men's mental health um, late next year due to everybody know what it's like coming in Christmas, New Year's. It's just too hectic. No one has money after Christmas and New Year's. But, yeah. We want to kick it off before winter, but... Well, that's why we were like... I was just talking to one of the boys and... I'm more thinking towards the end of the year once it cools off again. And yep. 
Um, that way it gives us pretty much a full year to save and get everything organised, work around everybody's holidays. Because uh, I know that where myself and my partner are looking at going to NZ at some point next year, look, that to me it's not a priority, but you got to do what the missus says, you know? That's it. <laughs> As you're learning so quickly. Yes, 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 I am. All right, we're going to take a break and we will be back shortly. You're listening to the Scott and Jai Show podcast. Help mate, Mates helping Sunday. Mates helping mates podcast. Remember, we are live on Facebook and you can download this podcast on the Podbean app, the Scott and Jai Show.podbean.com. You're listening to The Scott and Jai Show, Mates Helping Mates podcast. Let's just jam into the beat. You're listening to The Scott and Jai Show, Mates Helping Mates podcast. And we're back on uh, The Scott and Jai Show, Mates Helping Mates podcast, live on Facebook. We grabbed Katie while we were outside having a quick break. Hi, everyone. How you going? Katie is a voiceover lady. I am. I provide all of the wonderful voiceovers. How's your week been? A bit hectic. I'm glad that um, I got to take a break over the weekend and do a bit of my own thing. Yeah, it's helpful to just have that day to yourself. Oh, you don't really get a day to yourself. (laughs) It's been a long time since I've had a day to myself. (laughs) It's been years. The joys of children. Yes. <laughs> Just want to share a couple of quick stats with while you're here, actually, Katie. Yep. Uh, so, our first show has now reached 93 people. Yeah. The second show has reached 64 people. That's the. It was the second one. Was it the second show that Katie did her? Uh, yeah, I think. Shared her yeah, story on um, on Liam. That is a good show. Download uh, that podcast. That's gotten The third show we've had thirty nine um, downloads. The fourth sh- four, fourth show had forty seven. Last week's shows had twelve downloads. Need to pump that one a little bit on Facebook. And our first live show encore had uh, sixteen downloads. Uh, so we're getting there. We're getting there very slowly. I think that's really cool that people are actually like starting to really listen to what you guys are saying. And the the whole idea behind the podcast wasn't it is that to reach more people and get yeah. people talking. That's it. Help change the stigma. Yeah. And that's why we get you in for a um, female's perspective sometimes. <laughs> Happy to provide it. <laughs> we went political. Oh dear. We went political. Do you have to share your thoughts on uh, The Voice? Jai shared his thoughts. Um, but I talked about the cost of living. The cost of living? Yep. Cost of living. Do you have an opinion on cost of living? I do. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the words, though. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, I think every... I can hover around the, uh, the dump, the dump button. button. Yep. No, that's okay. Look, I think that... Um, I think everyone's struggling right now, except for those, you know, top one percenters. And I think that that's really quite atrocious. I think there was a lot of promises made. I think that there was, there's been such a great shift in the world in the last, you know, four years. Mm. That um, this is the fallout from that, and where everyone's suffering, we're all suffering. And we're going backwards in a sense, from where we were, a little bit. 
Yeah, we we are. But I mean, it's it sort of has to happen, you know. Like, yeah, it's 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 the same concept of what goes up must come down. There yeah. was a whole bunch of like overspending during COVID wartime yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and now we have to make up for it. Yeah. Do you think that petrol prices, the government should do something about petrol prices? Absolutely. I think that it was ridiculous for them to remove the excise. Oh, sorry, put the excise back on when they did. I think that was just a, um, I guess, a flux of power. And I guess, you know, the people up top are the one percenters, so, you know, it doesn't really worry them as much as the average show going to work every day and mm. having to provide for a family as much. They don't have so much to worry about like everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, our grocery bill even is a perfect example. Like millions of other families out there, our grocery bill has gone from maybe 300 bucks a fortnight, three or 400 bucks a fortnight, to nearly about 700 a fortnight just to keep the kids' school snacks in, in check and they've got school food, we have dinners, healthy foods, all that sort of thing. Does it make you mad that the government has a surplus in their budget mm-hmm. that they could potentially drop fuel prices for the next 6 to 12 months? I know having a surplus in the budget was a massive thing a couple of years ago because everyone was like, oh, you know, we haven't had a surplus budget, we've been in deficit, blah yada yada. No one at this point in time gives a flying fleek about that. Because we all just want to be able to, you know, afford our rent, afford our mortgages, afford mm. our food, afford our fuel. No one cares about a surplus in the budget. No one cares a crap. And the other thing we, Joe and I spoke about was people in the middle, like the middle class, you know, mm. um, I don't know what you call them, the white, white collar, blue collar? Blue all collar. That They're actually going to food banks. And Blue collar is like working class. White collar is your office people. Thank you. <laughs> um, but they're actually going to food banks and yeah. seeking assistance from financial institutions for help, you know, extension on mortgages it's, and things like that. It's atrocious. I think it's quite sad um, that we're at this stage. And look, the government's busy with the vote at the moment. But to me, we should be... The amount of people that are living in their cars or on the streets with their kids because mm. they can't pay rent, um, it's just crazy. Like, the company I work for, they have um, a group of people that works in helping with emergency housing and all that. But even the emergency yeah, housing... Yeah, like, there's, there's nothing there's out nothing there. It's such a struggle. Well, houses at the moment for rent, I was having a look at it last night. There was like a run-down house going for $600 a week. There's stories in Victoria, actually, of people renting out. They're doing (laughs) hot bedding. Yeah, there was a bus that a bloke was renting out, and it just had a jenny in his back of his yard. There was like a kitchen, um, that, and he got in trouble for it, just for trying to like provide someone a place to live. Yeah, he got in trouble for it because there's a whole bunch of council zoning and fees you have to pay first, so... (laughs) Either way, they're still making money. Yeah, and to me, that's stupid. In the crisis we're in, like, I get we've got to keep money and there's got to be charges for everything, but in the crisis we're in with that many people, I think Australia's in, like, a very high percentage of homelessness right now because of the crisis we're in. Mm. Um, There's got to be some kind of leniency with people trying to help people. And it's it's disgusting in the fact of, as well, as... There was, um, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a law brought in in Queensland not too long ago 
that said that there's a there was a certain cap on how much you could charge in rent as a as a um for an investment property and things mm. like that but what's going on now is it hasn't actually solved the problem what's going on now is they're just simply not renewing people's leases yeah so that kicking them out, it's kicking them out more. so then they can put the rent up even higher which I think is absolutely deplorable. That's greedy. It's so much greed. Like, I understand their mortgages have gone up too. I understand that. But this is disgusting. It's just yeah. disgusting. And a law that was supposed to help people has not only made it worse for rent going up higher, but it's now increased homelessness as well. Yeah. And, like, I'm, I like about, like, you got mortgage to pay. Fair enough. Put it up a little bit. But don't go to the point that you're making money off, like, that. Yeah, because that's what a lot of we're them are all doing, right? we're all we're all struggling. Well, yeah. and that's the other fallout of petrol prices is mm. that with high petrol prices, again, it increases the the cost of everything in the supermarket, um, and it also with the interest rates. Yeah, um, you know, and all the government has to do put some money towards it, bring the price of petrol down, bring down the it'll bring everything down. Well, it's it's not only that, but, like, and this. This is going to come across racist, which is it's not at all. Um, but get your hand off the dump button. <laughs> um, we're still letting foreigners come into the country right now. There's actually there's actually been a record of that. I think. Yeah. yeah. We shouldn't be doing that right now with what we're going through. Because we're going to put them on. We can't afford our own people yeah. at the moment. Yep. Everyone that already lives in Australia. So, to me, why is our government letting people still come in and live in our country when we've got a housing crisis? And, I mean, mm. it's not its not racist to say that. And anyone that says that that's racist needs a head read. It, it's, it's, I guess it's a fact of life because, you know, we're letting all these people come in and, I could, again, we could spend a whole podcast sitting here talking about letting why it's not good for... Or, or, yeah, it's not good to let people into the country. I mean, it comes down to a storage issue, doesn't it? But where do we put everybody? Yeah. Well, not only that, I want to talk about how all these eco-friendly situations that's going on in Australia at the moment as well. The more people that come into this country, the more power, the more everything we're utilising. Yeah. Like, it's just stupid. Like, the government should have a priority on its people. Stop people coming in for sure. Come for holidays, do all that. Oh, absolutely, we welcome but it. The the um, tourism industry, tur- needs yeah, it. the tourism industry yeah. absolutely needs people to come in. But if you're moving across here, like the the entire world right now is in a bit of a strange place. Yeah. How about we just take a couple years to chill? Yeah. Get elbow on the phone. I'll like. <laughs> it's just to I'd me. I'd love to get Barry O'Rourke or um, Brittany Lorgat on the podcast to kind of explain their thoughts on all this sort of stuff even though they're state politicians um yeah or even Michelle Landry love to get one of them on the podcast just to discuss this sort of stuff yeah because to me like I'm all for going around the world and seeing you know different countries and different cultures as we were saying earlier um but when it comes to the country that I'm proud to live in and where we've come from. Our, our country's struggling right yeah. now. Yeah, we're like in a massive struggle, but we're at an all high of letting multiple people move to Australia. How about we, like Katie was saying, put a stop on it for a couple of years, get our country back where it needs to be, reassess whether we can actually really bring more people into the country to live. 
because eventually we're going to be knocking down forest land just to be able to accommodate everybody. That's already happening. Yeah. The I think in terms of like, you know, people per capita and things like that, it um we have a lot of space here. We could house a whole bunch of more people. The problem mm. is is a whole bunch of this country is desert. Yeah. And nobody want to live in the desert. <laughs> nah, well, look, Elbow, if you want to keep letting people in, mate, ship them out to the desert because right now we need to really be focusing on our people. Like, it's yeah. it's be- beyond a joke. Mm. Um, and it's only going to get worse the more we do it. Um, I know, I watched a story the other night um, with a family, an Australian family, that um, it was two sisters and their husband, and they both had four kids. So eight kids, four adults living under the same roof. Kind of like us, but... I was um, just going to say, that that's becoming more and more common too as the housing... Well, not even as the housing crisis gets worse, but as the cost of living crisis gets yeah. worse, is people are staying... Like, kids are staying at home for longer with their parents. Yeah. Friends are living with friends for longer periods of time. Like, yeah. couples are becoming couples and getting married and still living with housemates because you just can't afford it. No, You can't exactly afford right. to... It's We're not in, we're not in 1992 anymore. Where, you know, you, you're 20 years old, you go off, you get married, you have a couple of kids and you've got a single income family, you take a holiday, you buy a home. That life doesn't exist anymore. No. It just doesn't. I get that they had it hard. It's hard now too. And it's a different world. Yeah. I want to see, like, like you were saying, get someone in that, like Barry O'Rourke or... Brittany Lauger. Brittany Lauger. Michelle Landry. Michelle Landry. Um, to have a chat because I would love to hear someone that's in a top tier position that how they really feel about this because to me I feel like the government doesn't want to hear a blue collar's opinion about the crisis of what's happening. No, they don't give a crap. No, they can sit in their fancy offices and get their butlers to drive drive them everywhere, or jump on a private jet and spend $40 million, didn't you say, mate, on a jet, like... We're not, we're, look, we won't no, pick that like, up No, I'm just saying, like, it's it's becoming beyond a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I guarantee you, if they were ripped out of the position, their bank accounts were f- frozen for a month, put them in our shoes. Get them to go out, get a real job. Oh, I would, like... Imagine if they made this TV show. Do you remember that TV show, like, Undercover Boss? Undercover Politician. Yeah. Imagine that. Undercover Politician. What a show. What a show that would be. They'd stick a bunch of pollies into your everyday, you know. A cracker. (laughs) But, see, they only do that on election time. So, if they ever wanted to get voted back in, that's when you see them at doing... The jobs that we do. Yeah, but they don't actually do them, do they? They stand there, they look pretty for the cameras for the photo op, and then they frig off again. I guarantee you, Elbow or any of them people that sit up in their comfy office chairs would not be able to swing a hammer for 12 hours a day, go and sleep on a shit bed in a camp, and then get back up in the morning and do that for seven days straight. Or go to a normal job that you have to work in the sun. They'd be having a meltdown. Katie. Yes. One minute past 11. We've got to move on. Thanks for coming in. You're Thanks welcome. Thanks for uh, getting on that uh, bandwagon with us. <laughs> You're listening to The Scott and Jai Show, Mates Helping Mates podcast. 
And we're going to get into story time very shortly and jump off Facebook Live. Thank you to everybody who has commented, Nick, um, on our Facebook Live. We are doing Facebook Live again, however... Lauren shared our Facebook Live too. Oh, shout out to Lauren. Yeah. Um, thanks, Lauren. If you, Lauren, if you ever want to come on the podcast as well, we'll have you. You can share your story. You should have a lot of stories to share. I've turned your mic off. Whoops. Oh, um, I've totally lost my train of thought. She would have a lot of stories to share. Yeah. I'll ask her. Okay. We'll get her on the podcast. But, uh, we're, we're, yeah, where I was going with that is next week uh, we are doing the podcast on Friday. So it will drop on Friday. Got a very uh, special guest coming on. We do. Can't wait. We do. <laughs> you guys organized. are so excited. I am I know. so excited. Shout out to uh, Big H. Well, the big H, I can't wait H. to see you. I'm going to give you the biggest hug. So he'll be on <laughs> next next week. As I'm guessing he'll be here as our third host. You guys uh, are like a will. pair of giggling schoolgirls. Oh, you really are. <laughs> it's been too long. Yeah. It's only been like six months. So so next Friday we'll get uh, Big H on and we will do the Facebook Live next Friday. And uh, again, the story will be the podcast and the story will be available on the Podbean app or wherever you get your podcasts next Friday. They brought tears, smiles. Hey, what? They brought tears, smiles, talking about Big H. Yeah, you are. I pity the camera's on me. All right, thanks again, Facebook Live. Now it's time for Scott and Jai's story time. Real stories from real people. And if you're feeling affected by today's stories, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224 636 or Lifeline on 131 114, Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800, and of course, Men's Line Australia on 1300 789 978. And this week's story time is one of our own again. Jai is going to share his story, where you've been, where you've come from, and where you are today. Yeah. Whenever you're ready, mate, kick it off. Um, I'll start from the start. So, um, I grew up on the sunny coast. Um, my mum was a single mum to four kids. Um, what do we have? Two girls, two boys. Um, we're a soccer family, so we all grew up playing soccer, even mum, um, and it, well, when we were kids, I still remember jumping in the back of the commie when mum, um, her best friend and her kids used to play for the same teams and used to, if we ran out of seats, it was just jump in the back of the commie and in the boot and the tarp went over you and <laughs> drive down to the sock fields and all the kids would unload. That was back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... When I was 10, um, I got meningitis and I was in a coma for three weeks. Um, uh, when I woke up, I had no memory. Um, didn't know how to walk, talk, shit a lot. Like, I was pretty much a baby again. Um, so, obviously, like, um, I suffocated, um the left side of my brain, the front lobe, uh, which is your learning memory, emotions, everything. Yep. Uh, 
So fast forward a little bit, um, eventually came home from a hospital. Um, I also had epileptic seizures at this point in my life. Um, so I was a pretty unwell kid, I guess you could say. Um, uh, when I came home, I'm pretty sure we lived in Markula, um, just right near the Maroochydore Airport there. On the sunny coast, yeah? Yeah, on the sunny coast. Beautiful spot right near the beach. Um, and, yeah, I was pretty much just like a very unwell kid and um, took me years, multiple um, hospital trips and all that over the years. And um, I ended up... Mum... Mum being a single mum, it was very hard for her to juggle work and I had to be watched 24-7 mm. um, because of how unwell I was and I would have a lot of anger ash- uh, anger outlashes um, and blackout. Um, I won't go into the depths of how bad they got. Um, but that, was yeah. all, that was all from the brain injury? Yeah, yeah? the brain injury, yeah. yeah. So, a lot of times when I blacked out, I wouldn't actually remember anything. Okay. Um, I couldn't retain a lot of things at school. So, I'd be going to school and then I'd get really upset while my younger sister was excelling at the same subject as me and I would be, like, not understanding it. And that was because of the, the damage done to the front frontal lobe. Um... And then fast forward a little bit more, I ended up, mum asked for help, um, and the government back then was, I think, correct me if I'm wrong if you listen to this mum, um, offered her $20,000 a year to get support in to help her look after me. That was direct Um, from the state government, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, But I don't know, anybody that understands the system... Um, 20 grand isn't a lot of money to pay for no. someone's wage to get full on sport. And mum, mum was a baker and a chef by trade. So mum worked quite a lot. Um, very hard working woman. And, um, so from then I went into the foster system, um, because they gave her a choice to choose three kids in the system or me, um, to basically have the three other kids. Yeah. Or you. Yeah. That was the choice. Yeah, that was the choice she was made. Um, look, back then, I didn't understand it. Um, especially the day, I still remember the day, um, the government rocking up and picking me up. And uh, I'm pretty sure I tried to run away. Um, but, yeah, so... I um, ended up in the foster care system, bounced around a few homes. Um, I think it was like five or so. And then I found my foster mum. And I was with her till I was, I think, early 14. Um, a lot of it's really cloudy, like, obviously, because I was still having seizures um, all through this. I didn't mm. stop having seizures to my hormones kicked in. <laughs> Um, so, I lived with her for a few years, went to NZ, um, and to visit her family, and then, um, spent, I think we did two holidays over to NZ, and, um, 
then I decided to stuff my placement up with my foster mum. We had an argument in the morning and said that I'd prefer to live in a boy's home than live with her and just being an angry kid, um, obviously she believed it. Um, and then I got home from that afternoon and the department, my casework, CSO, as they call them now, um, my child safety officer was there and my bags were packed and I was going to a boy's home. Um, so I went to the boy's home, um, the first night there I got put through a glass table as a welcoming gift. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um... And so to describe my placement at this time was, I think we had four four boys from 16 to 14 um, at this stage, um, some with high needs, one with high needs, and um, he used to pretend that he was Steve and he used to drive me crazy. Where was, where, so where was the location of the foster home? Was that, like, back on the sunny coast? Yeah, yeah, on the Sunshine Coast, Montville. Um, beautiful place, yeah. up in the mountains on the Sunshine Coast, near um, oh, Montville, Mullaney. Um, very quiet place, all up above on the hills. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so the house was in um, Bly Bly, on the edge of Namble, Bly Bly Road. And uh, so, like, to give you an idea, like, I just... I was still going to school. By this point, I'd my principal at the time had transferred to a Burnside special school, um, and she said to my mum that I think I'd benefit going with her. I had a very good relationship with her. So um, even though you were in the foster home, your mum still had my mum still had pretty much like. The la- like a massive say yep. with what went on with me, um, so schooling and all that. Mm. Um, so I transferred from Nambour State School to Burnside Special School, Nambour Special School, um, where my principal was, because she thought that I would excel being in a school where kids with high needs, um, a variety of different disabilities and whatnot, um, I'd be very smart. So, which over time I did, um, excel dramatically. Um, and I still had anger outbursts. Um, school was my safe place. So I was scared to go home to the boys' home because, (coughs) um, it just wasn't a nice place. Like, I still remember getting bashed nearly every day. Um, I know mum used to come to school meetings and I'd walk past the office and I'd be black and blue. Um, but I always wanted to go to school. Didn't want to not, not miss school. Yep. Um, because it was my safe safe haven, really. And uh, so, like, for the next from 14... To about seventeen, I was at residential. Um, so, so what is just to I guess to give people an overview, what is residential? 
care. Uh, so it's like, um, what's the best best place? I used to just call it a boys' home because my placements were with boys. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty much just like a government house or like a government contractor uh, care support service. Um, and they have kids in there that um, pretty much live in the house. Um, you cook. They try to encourage you to clean. Um, didn't really happen that often. Um, but yeah, some of these, like my house that I was in, is very different to what a lot of them are now. Um, obviously, the system's changed a lot, but I um, pretty much. It's just a house with four boys, four or five boys. Um, and there's fights all the time. So the house I was in, it was all about the dominance. Um, so I just went through... So in my head, we're going back to when I first hit the home, which was 14. I was very... Still going through the process of thinking, why doesn't my mum want me? Um, why can't I be with my siblings? Um, which started to form a very big anger cloud. All the build up. Yeah. Um, and over the years, everything that I was going through, um, by the time I was 15 in the house, I attempted to take my own life. Um, went to school that day, came home, was like, it's over. Uh, because of the pain and suffering that I... I just wasn't happy with life. And if that's what life was for me back then, I was just like, I don't want no part of it. You couldn't see... In that stage, in your mind, you couldn't see the future. No, there was no future for me. Yeah. Um, and then going on to 16, I was still at Nambour... Special school, and um, so for people that don't know, I went to the Nambour Special School, obviously, for various reasons. One, I had high needs with a front-lobe brain injury, and I learned very differently to other people, um, which they had teachers and the ability to be able to focus more on what I needed, <coughs> support-wise, with my teachers. Um, Shout-out to all the teachers there. I wouldn't be the person I am today without them. Um, I loved my teachers. I was very fortunate. I had the same teachers all the way through to where I graduated. Um, they really helped me a lot. Um, I guess they got to see me come in as a broken kid. Um, but yeah, so I went to obviously hospital. I was rushed to hospital because I um, attempted to take my own life. Went through that process. Wasn't successful back then. I was really down in the dumps about that because I really didn't want to go back to this house. Um, went back to the house after um, the hospital cleared me. Same shit happened. Woke up to knives to my throat. Um, soap on the tiles right outside my room. So when I got up to go to the bathroom at night time, I'd slip over and smash my head. Um, you name it. Um... So at this point, I obviously started fighting back. Um, and one of the carers said to me that if I don't fight back, I'm going to end up dead either way. So I was getting beaten the shit out of. And what were the carers doing at this point? 
Well, terrorists can't really do a lot because you're a you're a government child. Hmm. Um, they can do their best to uh, de-escalate the situation um, and move the other kids to a safe environment in, within their house. Um, sometimes they'd take kids out of the house. Uh, but, like, they've also got to worry about their safety. So a lot of times when a fight broke out, they'd go and lock themselves in the staff room and let us go for it, call the police. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so... <laughs> It was just, yeah, a lot of fights. It's um, a lot for a teenager. Like, if you add in one, so you've attempted your own life, so your, your mental health isn't there. Yeah. Two, you're recovering from a, a brain injury. Yeah. Three, you're a teenager going through all that hormone stuff. It doesn't sound like a very good place. No, and, and look, it wasn't. Um, I'll be honest. Is most probably the shittest time of my life. Um, fast forward to 16, I attempted my own life a second time. Um, same reasons. Yep. I was very unhappy. By this point, my foster mum, I was living in Marichador in a two story house with a swimming pool. And I remember the kid that used to try and pretend to be Steve Irwin. Um, well, I hated him. I still reckon to this day if I see him, I'd most probably clean him up. Um, Why was he acting like Steve Irwin? Was, was that, uh, again, just where he was at? Yeah, like, yeah. just high needs, um, his way of the highway. Big boy, big boy. Um, used to throw me around like I was a rag doll. Um, but, yeah, I still remember, so, like, in this house I had, lived downstairs, he lived upstairs at one point. Oh, sorry, I lived upstairs, he lived downstairs. Um, and then other kids lived in the upstairs area as well. Staff room was downstairs. At the back, there was a pool. And um, he used to grab a bucket and slap the water like there was a croc going to come out of the pool. Okay. He used to grind my gears. <laughs> like, he used to get to it. I used to tell him, like, you're an idiot. Like, what are you doing? Uh, but to the point, like, say, if I was good, I'd go out with my carers, but... Because of his behaviours, I couldn't go out because he'd lay under the back tyre of the car, so we couldn't leave. Jesus. I used to tell the carers, just reverse over him. No one's going to miss him. Like, so for me, that going out with a carer was like my way to escape. And it was very hard to um, overcome... Everything because I couldn't go out with carers. I couldn't. I couldn't live in the house comfortably because you'd sleep with one eye open because they'd just open your door and start flogging into you. Um, when we moved to this marital house, my foster mum came with mum, so I used to have weekend visits with my mum, and um, mum would come and pick me up, whether it was for the day or I'd go and stay with her for the weekend, depending on her work situation. Um, and she brought my foster mum one weekend, and as my mum and my foster mum rocked up, the same bloke that pretended to Steve Irwin um, knew that my mum and my foster mum were at the front, and he was adamant that he was going out there to kill him. So I tackled him down the stairwell of the house, yep. and um, 
for some reason he added a tomato sauce bottle, I think it was. That ended up all over us. Um, just, I want you to imagine the old wooden stairs going downstairs, straight down, boom. I was straight. Big boy, I was, uh, what, 130 kilos at this point, just ran and just tackled him down these stairs. Mm. Um, the only thing that stopped us was the front door. Um, and we were at it, right in front of, like, um, my mum and my foster mum. And it broke my foster mum and broke my mum. I think my mum seen a lot of it, not only, like, what it was doing to my headspace, but she also seen, like, what the environment I was living in. My mum... Um, and my siblings wrote to, uh, I think it was John Howard at the time, uh, Prime Minister, um, and local MPs at one point because it was tempted my life twice. Um, you are in a toxic environment. Yeah, so I was pretty, like, down in the dumps with life. Um, also by the mid-year of 16, I started, um using drugs on the odd occasion and um, got involved with that. Um, Was that just... So getting involved with drugs, was that just another way of dealing with the process? Yeah, I just didn't want to be in the situation I was. I didn't want to um, face face the world. I wanted to pretend that nothing was real. Um, And then by the time... At that same year, though, um, my mum and my pop picked me up from the house and I grabbed my gear. And I lived in my mum's walk-in wardrobe, right? So in our old house near mum mum's room and then she had a massive walk-in wardrobe and I literally slept on a mattress in there um, as a 17-year-old, still processing a brain injury and all that. So mm. I was still pretty high needs at this point. Um, and... Mum pretty much took me to force the department to get me my own unit. Um, I think I might have been 16. Yeah, 16. So mum lived with me and uh, once we got a unit and... Well, not lived, but came over and taught me how to cook, clean, a lot. Because I never learnt anything in living in the res. Um, boys' home, whatever you just want to call it. Um, it sounds like it was just a... Free-for-all, really. Yeah, well, really, like, a lot of the carers didn't care. Like, I had carers tell me that they didn't give two hoots about me. They were there for the money. Uh, all that. Like, wow. Right? So, it was pretty how you going. I was very fortunate. A lot of my escape was going down to the beach and just going out in the water. Always been a water baby. Um, so, yeah, by the time I was, I think, 17... I remember I got to the point using uh, drugs and stuff. I ended up letting people move into my house. So my ex-partner, her ex-boyfriend and all their friends at one stage was living in my house, like two-bedroom unit. Um, And I just had no care in the world. And I remember one day mum rocked up and... and was like, you, 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 get out of my son's unit. No remorse, my mum. She still scares the shit out of me. Um, I, I was scared of my life, for my life then, too. Um, and then mum moved out to Alpha. And um, 
eventually I was out at Alpha. I moved out there with um, her, my younger sister, and my older brother, which is a small country town. Um, I was still a big boy then. Um, the reason I put on so much weight was because I was taking so much medication that they didn't know the whole journey of my brain injury, what worked, what didn't. So I was taking a lot of medication. What sort of medication were you taking? Oh, couldn't even list them all out. I know one was NDEP, one was uh, one stage Ritalin. Um, there was a lot. Like, I used to take a handful of tablets morning and night. And that's why now when I take Panadol, I can have, like, two Panadols and just chuck it down. It's no worries, nothing. yeah. Yeah, it's just easy peasy. Um, so, once I got to Elf, obviously, I wanted to clean my life up. Um, and I guess I still haven't... I didn't face the elephant in the room that I still had a lot of hate for my mum because I didn't understand, nor did we ever have that conversation. And you're 17 years old. Yeah, well, yeah, early 18. Um, So lived in Alpha for a couple of years. I worked for a drilling company in Springshaw. Um, And then from there kind of moved on to... Moorumbah, um, and worked for mum again in Moorumbah in a camp. Mining camp, yeah. Yeah, mining camp as a kitchen hand. And I, I was still a really messed up kid, right? Like, And I say a kid because I was nowhere near being a man at this point in my life. Um, I still was having blackout anger bursts. Um, like a lot of things were still wrong. Um, and once that fell through, I, I got a job working at, as airport security, um, and I fell into a massive depression state. I'd, I'd lost my licence. Um, and then I was smoking uh, marijuana um, heavily. Um, yeah, I was just an absolute mess. Um, I think, again, I did gym back then and I lost all this weight. So I went from 100 and I think the biggest I was was 148 kilos. And I dropped down to 72 within six months. Jesus. Um, yeah, so... I, um, yeah, really struggled. Um, I'd never really talked to any of my family about what went on in my head. I was still very suicidal. Um, approaching my early 20s, my 21st, um, I'll say it, I fucked up my doing something with my family, I just wanted to go to Airly Beach and, um, just take a cocktail of drugs, um, and just zone out from the world, um, and just party like I was a rock star, and, um, so I did all that. I ended up getting electrocuted, <laughs> just got my shoulder, broke my collarbone, trying to jump off a roof, um, and there was a loose wire, and I got electrocuted, and it threw me back into the pool. Um, I rang mum, actually, to come with someone to pick up my ute, yep. um, and mum said, look, if you're stupid enough to do all this, you can make your own way back. So I, I just want you to imagine this, I had a broken collarbone, just dislocated my shoulder, 
been electrocuted, coming down off cocktail of drugs. I drove from Ellie Beach to Moorumbah with one, one arm and a manual. How many kilometres is that? Or how? what's the distance of that drive? About a five-hour drive. Uh, the hardest bit was getting through town. Once I got on the open road, I was good. I just had to make it to fifth gear and just cruise. In a manual car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hilux Ute. Um, I worked nine weeks free for that Ute. Um, but, yeah, so after that, that was pretty much a wake-up call for me. Um, yep. But it wasn't the end. I still wasn't facing any of my issues that I was holding on to. Um, and then, so, like, I still worked for mum at this point. And then I ended up uh, getting laid off from that job and worked at the airport. I remember, actually, because that's when I got laid off, I started smoking marijuana uh, heavily. Um... And I was working at the, I think it was Coalfields Pest Control then. And, um, yeah, I was just wasting money on drugs. Like, well, you know, like it's not heavy marijuana, but to me, it, I lost a big part of my life being that person. Um, Be used, used weed as a coping mechanism. Yeah, just smoked till I passed out. Yeah, right. Um. Uh, yeah, so, and then, obviously, like, over the course of that time, I did a lot of different drugs. Um, As you do at 18? Yeah, and then mum got laid off and moved back to Rocky. Um, so I was left in this town. Oh, no, she moved back to the coast, I think. Um, but she owned the house in Gracemere. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I... <laughs> was stuck in this town. I was depressed. I lost my license. Um, I was getting bullied and framed for stealing at my airport job. At, um, and at the same point, to get out of that job, I said that my nan, um, which I never did, had cancer. And she ended up having cancer. It turns out that she had had cancer in the end, right? Yeah, had cancer in the end. Um, she's still here now, thankfully. Um, I love my nan and pop. They did a lot of looking after me when I was really ill. Mm. Um, and I tortured them. We could do a whole podcast on Len. Oh, funny bloke. (laughs) Funniest bloke you'll ever meet. Um, most loving bloke, too, when it comes to his grandkids. Um, especially, and and his great-grandkids. Like, my niece and nephew call him Pirate Poppy. Mm. Um, because he's lost one eye to a tumour. Um, but we're, yeah, so, but we're getting off track. Um, so I moved back, I was still a fairly big dude. Um, like I'd, no, I wouldn't say I was big, I was pretty skinny. I was 72 kilos by the time I moved to Rocky. Yeah. Didn't have a job. How old were you at this point? Would have been 22. Okay. 22, 23. Um, so like most people like, you know, they'd have jobs and everything. I always struggled to get a job because I was very honest. So I'd tell my, like when I go for an interview, I'd tell them that I had a front line brain injury. I learned very differently, but I'm a hard worker. and I'll turn up to work every day. The rat 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 which I did. Yep. I have a great work rapport now with nearly every company I've worked for. Um, I wasn't afraid to work. I have I had a point to prove not only to myself to others um, 
So I live this life of, I have to prove this, I have to do this, like, I'm not going to be one of these dropkicks that just utilises my past and my past trauma to hold me back. So I was in so much debt at this point too, because when I was in Murrumbara, I had dirt bikes, um, a lot, like, just went stupid, um... Thank God I didn't own... Well, I owned a four-wheel drive, but thank God I didn't know as much as I do now because I would have mm. just wasted more money on building a four-wheel drive. Um, but, yeah. I um, So, when I moved back here, I sold my Hilux Ute, which had 160Ks on it, um, for two grand. And, and how much was this Ute worth? Easily could have got twenty to $15,000 for the Ute. Whoever got that was bargain. Yeah. Um, actually a bloke that stayed at the camp brought it off, off me, but, so I wanted to get home, right, um, I was very depressed, I was very lonely, um, I was, to the point, I was back at square one of, I'm just gonna top myself, like, I'm done doing this fight, um, and, so I sold my ute, bought a bus ticket, moved home. Just bring that mic a bit closer. Um, yeah, so I moved home and yeah, just started my life and I started building uh, rapport with people. I started working as a bouncer um, at the Giddy Goat. Um, I worked there for six years. Um, in that course of the time, I also worked another job where mum managed. Um, at the way I made that place, were we? No. Um, but you became pretty famous when you were at the GOAT. Yeah, mate. I was, Couldn't uh, go anywhere without someone going, oh, Jai. Yeah, I'd say I was Remember more popular me? than El- Elbow. Um, but, like I, I like, I loved my job. I worked with a great group of blokes um, mm. that we all had each other's back. And I always thrived off that because I didn't know a lot of that. A lot of my friends in Murrumbah ended up politely were dogs um to the point um I don't talk to any of them anymore they judged me for where I was in my life then to where I am now yep um and it wasn't until I was what you well I met you while I was still at the goat Mm -hmm. um and I always said doing what I had to do at the goat sometimes brought like an anger out of me, um, because I'm not a violent person by any means, um, I'm a lover, not a fighter, I have the ability to fight, but I hate it. When you need to. Yeah, like, I know, I, I'm pretty confident with defending myself, um, but I still had so much built up anger, um, so, and then I ended up finding out about this lawyer that could get, um, like money, not that I was doing the money, but sue the government for compensation. I, yeah, compensation for everything you went through. Um, so I was suing the state of Queensland, um, and this was what last year. Last year, it finally came to a head, but it took that three years was a process and a yeah, half. Three years. Mm. So what am I now? Twenty nine. So I would have been twenty six when we started this process. Um. Absolutely full of debt, was living paycheck to paycheck, um, and 
And not, look, at the end of the day, a lot of that was my fault. Um, but this forced me to face a bigger issue that I hadn't faced, right? Um, so part of the process was I had to see a psych for my lawyers and a psych for the government's lawyers. Yep. To assess of how badly mentally I was damaged. Okay, so I'm talking about everything I faced in these houses and during that period of time in my life just broke me. Um, I remember after seeing my psych, I walked out and just sat in the car and bawled my eyes out. Um, just because I'd been holding on to so much. Um, and I shouldn't have been. Um, I, I forgive my, my mum and I appreciate the efforts that my mum went into bat for me over that course. Um, but I, I seen a counsellor and it was really good. Um, inspired me to want to be a counsellor. He pretty much wrote everything down that was in my head. And each session we went and conquered one thing at yep. the time. Taught me to make my bed, to achieve the first thing in the morning, to start a positive mindset. Um, yeah, so fast forward, I ended up winning last year the settlement. Um, I won against the state of Queensland, which was my ultimate goal. It was never about money. It was purely to... For, for them to recognise um, what you went through and... Yeah. Because there was a lot of placements where the kids that I lived with, they knew that we already didn't get along. Yep. Uh, but they still placed me in these houses anyway. Um, so I got to... It was a big achievement. I had a cry with um, Katie, our voiceover lady. Um, I think you're at work on the day that it finally settled. And we celebrated that night that we got home. Um... But, yeah, like, a very emotional time for me, I guess. Like, it just really, um, it's a weight off my shoulders. Did that bring you, so going through that whole process of getting compensation, did that give you the closure that you needed? Uh, partly. I think I also had to be willing to let go of a lot, too. Um, that it is what it is. Everything that's happened to me has happened. I can't change it. I can't go back. I can't reverse time um, and change what was. I can change what is. Yep. So that was the new focus on life was what is, I will control. What was is the past and I need to let go and tell myself that it was all right to go through that. Yep. Um, my brain injury has affected me majority of my adult life with trying to get employment and to do all that, which has been a big kick in the guts um, because no one really understood. It wasn't until I worked at Oztrack that I worked in logistics with um, one of my close friends still. Um, he was my boss um, and he just understood me. Yep. Um, he understood how you worked and operated and yeah, the way and you did he had, things. Yeah, and he had the time for me. Yep. Um, you know, Cass was absolutely an awesome bloke. Um, and I still talk to him weekly. <coughs> he normally good. normally when I miss the weekly call, he's like, oh, I thought you must have had stuff going on, mate, because I hadn't heard from you. Like, just, like, we always laugh. Um, yeah. 
And he'll be a lifelong friend for me. He, um, because during that time he was one of the blokes that was there for me when I was facing a lot of mental, mental health issues. And, um, he always believed that I could do more. Um, and conquer more without even doubting what he was saying to me. You know how some people might say to you, like, oh, you can do it, mate. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, they say it with, without the belief behind it. They just say it like it's yeah, reading Cass, off a script. Cass was always like, I remember one day, I was really like, just having a bad morning. And I had a foggy brain and it was raining. <laughs> and I worked out in dirt where like when it's raining, it's just a slosh pit. Um, and we stood under the factory roof and we were just having a quick yarn and waiting for the next lot of trucks to come in. And, um, we are talking about... Sorry, just move your microphone a bit closer. We were talking and, um, I was telling him what was going on and just really having a lot of self-doubt, really, um, with whether I was going to get where I wanted to be in life and, um... Again, like, was just like, mate, you, you've you excelled in the year and a half that we worked together and, it, you know, the sky's limitless. Um, and I always cherish him for that because he always, like, pushed me to be a better person. Um, and if he had a problem with me, he'd say it to my face. He'd tell you straight up. Yeah, um, which is a big thing. I think that's why a lot of me now, I'm very like that. Is I guess in a lot of sense, he was my mentor. And the funny thing was, a lot of people didn't like him or didn't like the way he was as a person, but I wouldn't change a damn thing about that bloke. Like, one of the best blokes I've met in my life. Um, I've actually got a photo on one of our staff Christmas parties where I was absolutely a piss wreck. And I had a man bun and I was trying to pretend to kiss him and he was just pulling away. Um, but yeah, he's definitely someone that I owe a lot of thanks to and I'll always have the time of the day for him. Um, and I think for his family, like, they're very lucky to have someone like that. Like, he's just acts, got a big heart, but, you know, he's just a top bloke. Mm. Um, you've met Cass when he used to drop me off when I lost my <laughs> license again. Uh, he used to pick me up in the morning at five and drop me back off when we finished. Oh, because he lived around the corner from us. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so originally, when he first started giving me a lift, I used to have to walk to the food works when I lived with my sister, and. Uh, so I'd meet him at Foodworks and we'd go from there. <laughs> um, and then myself and you, we've got a, we got our own place and um, it was closer, so it just used to pick me up. <laughs> and oh, it was so good not to have to walk in the morning, <laughs> uh, especially with some of the hours we'll pull on them back then. Uh, I still remember when you came home and you said you had to walk past the Foodworks and you said it was the worst, worst walk of your life. Yeah. Because you saw... Um, that chick. Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yeah, because she lived on the main drag. You won't go into too much detail. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, there's so many people I could sit here and talk for hours and thank, um, you know, like I can thank you and I can thank Tran, I can thank Ricky and Blake and Tennille, um, and all my 
close friends for having a massive play into my life. Um, and just because I like... Um, anything I've learned, just because... I may not agree with the way you do things. Doesn't mean that love that I have for you will ever change. Like, yeah. if we stop talking and you called me two, two years down the track and said, hey, bro, I really, really need you... I'd get in my car and I'd be there. Because mm. um, once I call you a brother, you're a brother for life. That's it. Um, you've got to do something pretty bad for me to write you off. Mm. And, you know, like even, well, for example, like myself and my mate Chris, um, we didn't talk for close to a year. Is that um, Chris that we had on the podcast? No, Chris no. Alex. Yeah. That other Chris, uh, Chris Johnson, he was exactly the same. Like, we yep. didn't talk for a couple of years. Um but when we did, it was like we never stopped. Mm. Um, but I do try to make it a priority for me to always be in contact with my mates. Yep. Um, you know, and I love all of them, and I love who they are as people. Um, you know, no one's going to be perfect. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken out of everything that I've faced, is no one's perfect. And if you've got things going on in your head go see someone talk to someone because i get i get it i know what it's like to hit that that rock bottom in your life and have them thoughts mm. uh, especially as a grown man i couldn't like you know i had them thoughts as a, a kid um and then as a grown man and as, as you get older it's more embarrassing it's more co- uh confronting um but there's so much more to life um, to achieve in this sh- short time that we have. Um, and I guess if we fast forward your story and we look at you today, right? Mm. And you look, now that you've shared your story and you do a bit of reflection, right? Mm. You're proud of where you are now? 100%. Um, I could fail with this new job that I've just got. Um, and I wouldn't, I'd be bummed about it, but I know that I gave it my best. And I know that it wouldn't have been a me thing. Mm. You would have given it your 100%. Exactly. Um, and I think that's what life's all about is experiencing and memories. And just remember, like, just because you knock down, the comeback's always greater. That's it. And my car, like, I haven't even finished coming back yet. And I've got some big things, goals inspirations that I want to chase Mm. Um, and I use that hurt and pain that I went through to achieve them things as motivation yeah and um, you know I also use that to um, get down to people's level to understand um, and you know let them know that's I get it I know what it's like to Mm. suffer in silence Um, I think that's why I'm so passionate about mental health and changing the stigma is for a lot of years of my life, not only in uh, early adulthood, but late adulthood, I faced a lot of um, serious mental health problems that I was ready to give up on life. And I'm so thankful that I never did anything to end what could have been if I let myself stay in that mindset. Mm. Um, and not go seek help and um, learn a positive mindset practice. I think, you know, because everybody's going to have down days. 
B also have up days. And you've got to focus on what, what is positive. Because in every negative, there's a positive. That's something that I'm big on. Like, your situation today doesn't mean that negative's going to be the same outcome tomorrow. So, I think, for me, very thankful and very blessed, I guess you could say, if there is a big guy upstairs that has put these challenges on me. Um, I've definitely overcome a lot, and I'm very proud of who I am as a person to um, get where I am today. You feeling all right? Yeah, 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 mate. But thanks for sharing your story, mate. No, it's not. Um, I like, you know, it's it's not easy to um, to sit there and remember things. Nah, it's most probably all over the shop. But um, no, look, you got it. And the whole idea by sharing a story is someone will download this podcast, they'll listen to that, and go, you know what, I need help, and that's. You've just got to want it. Yeah, 100%. You really, like, you, you've got to want it, right? You can sit there and um, be on antidepressants, which are blockers to stop you feeling the way you're feeling, but it's not fixing the problem. Everybody is not perfect. Mm. And your struggles might not be as great as someone else's struggle, but you've got to be willing to work the, work the problem. If you're not willing to work the problem, you're not going to work it out. So whether that problem's like you need to go and talk to a professional to to understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling or why you're going through what you're going through, then you're, you're not going to fix it. Mm. You've got to be willing to just... I know this sounds harsh, but harden the fuck up and just take the step and move forward because your life's important and... Once you make that step, there's no coming back. That's it. Do you know what I mean? So, for me, if I could leave a message to anybody, it's work the problem. And it's not weak. As long as you're willing to work the problem, you can always come out on top. Well, thanks for coming in today, mate. No, you're (laughs) right. Sharing your story on your podcast. Anytime, mate. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll give you a hug in a minute. Oh, yeah. You, you look like you need a big hug. And that was the Scott and Jai Show, Mates Helping Mates podcast for another week. Make sure you download the podcast, thescottandjaishow.podbean.com. Thanks for hearing your story this week too, mate. No, you're right, mate. It's um, a pleasure's all mine. So next week, remember Friday. Friday, 10 a.m., we go live on Facebook. Um... And we will have special guest, Mr. H, here with us. Mr. H. You were in tears before. I know, I know. I really can't wait to see him. He's a brother to me, so I love him very much. 
missed him. I can't wait for the yarns. And he's your brother, but he I is. just see him as my brother. Yeah. He's a lovable guy. He is a lovable guy. I just want to cuddle him. <laughs> <laughs> so just remember, where do you get the podcast? The Scott and Jai Show dot podbean.com we're on facebook youtube and instagram at the scott and jai show and if you want to be a part of the show remember we do go live on facebook normally it's sundays at 10 a.m uh, but next week it is friday 10 a.m so don't forget to tune in we'll set up a invite on facebook live as well anything you want to say before we go mate no guys um Thank you to all the listeners. Uh, really appreciate the support. And um, yeah, please like and share all our content. Yeah, like and share. Keep and, growing. That's uh, that's the plan. We just got to keep moving forward and getting bigger and bigger. And um, you know, appreciate everybody that's listened in and downloaded the podcast. And I hope you all have a wonderful Sunday. The rest of it, anyway. Enjoy. See you next week. See you next week, guys. was the scott and jai show mates helping mates podcast thanks for listening remember to download the scott and jai show on the podbean app and follow them on social media at the scott and jai show enjoy your week
You're listening to The Scott and Jai Show, Mates Helping Mates podcast. Thanks for downloading The Scott and Jai Show, Mates Helping Mates podcast. Listen to the boys live on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. on Radio X. How do you listen to Radio X? Go to radiox.com.au and click listen live. Turn up the volume with Radio X. Your ultimate rock destination. Tune in today at radiox.com.au. Radio X.